Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. But um, I'm doing a series, and I'm really happy about this series, called Journeys with Jesus. And uh, Journeys with Jesus is fun because, you know, it's kind of like thinking about vacation. How many of you are taking some vacation this summer? Going anywhere exciting? Where are y'all going? Where? Costa Rica, Europe, Oregon, California. Nice. Um, I just got back. I was traveling uh, last month. I was gone for a couple weeks. That's why I wasn't around. I was in Asia for a little while. And, you know, it's fun. Vacation's fun. But some of the fun part of vacation, I think, is people watching. (laughs) Right? I mean, you see people, you're like, woo, (laughs) that's interesting right there. And and uh, I had this experience on the, my last trip. Um, it's interesting. I was uh, catching a shuttle to the airport, and it was early in the morning, like 4 a.m., and you had to plan ahead and make reservation, you know, save your seat on the shuttle. And the, I got on, and there was th- it was full shuttle, even at 4 a.m., and there was only three seats left. And this guy comes out, and he's got his family with him, two kids, little girl who's like six and a son who's probably eight or maybe 10 and his wife. And, and he comes to the shuttle and I'm in the back, you know, kind of packed in there with all the luggage, everything, which is fine, but three seats. And he's like, tells the driver, I need to get on. She's like, sorry, you know, there's only three seats. There's four of you. You'll have to wait. And he's like, well, one of us can stand up. And she says, no, no, you know, that's not, it's against policy regulations. And he's like, well, I'm getting, we're getting on. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. And she's being polite. You know, you're going to hear her, right, Elizabeth? Doing all the customary stuff. And he gets physical with her. He like, and he pushes her, and then he grabs her phone. And I see this out of the side, because I'm still bleary-eyed. It's 4 a.m., right? I haven't had hardly any coffee. And so I'm like, (gasps) you know, and the whole bus, you could hear the, (gasps) you know, and he's grabbing her phone, and she's like, give me my phone. And she's, he's physically like just, and again, pushing her and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, holy buckets, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know? And so then um, a couple minutes in the whole bus is like, you know, do we get off? Do we get on? Do we help her? Do we, you know, confront? What do we, you know, you can hear all the, and then like within another two, couple minutes, just a few minutes, this guy comes out from out of the blue and he comes up to the guy to the one who pushed the bus driver, and he's like, and he's starting to physically, you can tell it's going to be fisticuffs, right? The game is on. And this little girl who's six years old is like, my daddy, and she's crying, you know, daddy, and the wife is like, you know, and and the dude is really going to hit the first guy. He backs off, you know, and I'm like, what is going on? Talk about people watching, right? Oh my goodness. And then that's, you're like, well, I hope none of that happens for you <laughs> with your traveling. But journeys with Jesus, you see a lot of strange things along the road, <laughs> along the journey, strange experiences, strange people. And like, oh my goodness. And, and uh, we're talking, we're using the parable of the Good Samaritan because that's a traveling uh, story with Jesus. And he starts off and he's answering the question from a Pharisee, a religious leader, who's my neighbor? And he answers the question with a story. And he says, there's a man walking along the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. So he's on a journey. And people watching, right? So he gets jumped by bandits. And they beat him up. They take off. They strip him of his clothes. 
and they leave him half dead on the side of the road. So again, people watching. The priest comes along and he sees the man and he keeps walking. Now, if you and I were the priest, let's put ourselves in their sandals, his sandals, and think about it. Why would we see the dude and keep walking? Any ideas? Give me feedback. What do you think? Why would he keep walking? Yeah. The victim is probably unclean. He's bloody. He's beat up. And the priest has to keep himself like holy and pure. And maybe he's going to do some priestly activity. So that's a good answer. Why else? Would the priest keep walking? Any other? Yeah, go ahead. Time and energy. Exactly. I see the dude, and, you know, I don't have time and space for this. Same way with the Levite. It says in this story, the parable, the priest sees the dude, keeps walking. The Levite sees the dude, keeps walking. And I think that relates to a lot of us. We see, like that guy... <laughs> the guy that was like screaming and yelling and trying to get himself on the on the bus on the shuttle you know and I'm like I see him and I'm like I see you but I'm going to keep walking cuz I don't want to mess with that that's a lot of ugly plus the fact I don't have time I'm here to catch a, a flight and if I miss this flight then it backs up everything cuz it's an international flight right I don't have time for that and I don't want to mess with him because he's a freak, you know? He's a shark. And, you know, I'd see him, and all I see in my mind, you're like, this is stupid, but it still makes a point, is I just see a shark. He's like, I have my little shark glasses, right? And I see a shark, and there's blood in the water, and I'm not going to participate in that. I don't want to be another victim of that kind of crazy, right? So you got this priest, he walks by. You got this Levite, he walks by. But then the Samaritan, the Samaritan sees the dude, and there's a difference. We're going to talk about this difference because it's the pivot point for the whole story. He sees him, and it says he has compassion, compassion. And we're going to talk what is compassion, but when he has compassion, he comes to him. And it's interesting, you can see, and we can see, who, who do we see as we do our journey in life? Who do I, I, the dude that was the shuttle guy, I just saw a crazy man that was very dangerous, and I don't want to be around him, because, you know, who knows what could happen. I'll give you another story. One time, I was flying, and I was flying through a Muslim country, and I'm on the flight, and I changed planes, I got on the plane, and there's a dude that came and sat next to me. And he put his luggage in the overhead bin thingy. And then right before we start to taxi away from the gate, he pops up, grabs his overhead, whatever, little bag, and runs to the bathroom. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. I don't see that too often. Then he comes back, puts his stuff up there, sits down next to me. And I'm like, okay. I'm not trying to talk to him because who knows, right? Is, could be something weird. So then pretty soon, he just completely knocks out. Like he's, I think he's sleeping, but I'm not going to nudge him to find out. And, and he's there. And the flight attendant comes. Elizabeth, you'd be grateful on this. She's like, you need to put your seatbelt on. And he doesn't respond. And so she's like, sir, put your seatbelt on. He still doesn't respond. She taps him on the shoulder. 
put sir you know wake and he and then she looks at me like hey what's your deal i'm like ah i don't have anything to do with it i don't know who do you know him no i don't know who he is well what happened i'm like uh you know like i'm the one i'm like i didn't do anything i'm just like innocent bystander i had nothing and so he's not responsive at all he's like catatonic and so I, and she's like, well, did you see anything unusual? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> he went and, did it, and I just tried. And the, so they take down his, his thing. And I don't know, I think they might've found a needle or something. I don't know. But I was like, Hey, can I change seats? You know, <laughs> I don't want to do this, you know, like he's, and, and I want to get out of the scenario. So finally they literally hauled the guy. They had to pick him up physically and carry him off the flight. And then we could leave because the pilot wouldn't leave with a medical emergency potential. So again, <laughs> who do you see? You know, I, for that one, I saw like a little bit of a crabby guy because he was non-responsive. And I have crab my crab sunglasses, right? That's how I see. He's no, I'm not gonna do that one. But I think a lot of times, <laughs> who we see, we just don't want to see anybody. We just want to see through, you know, beautiful rose-colored glasses. And everything's fine and sunny and happy. That's who we, you know, la, 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 talk to the hand. Everything's fine, glory. But we don't always want to see people as they are. I don't want to see a broken, beat up, naked, half dead man. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the person with the homeless sign, when I come up to the stoplight that's coming and saying, hey, can you give me some money? Oh, all I see is a drug addict. They're on drugs. Oh, you know, if they worked harder, they wouldn't be in this situation. And, and who do I see? I remember one time my son and I went up to uh, Boulder, went to Pearl Street Mall, and we were walking around. It's like 9 in the morning. And some whack job person is like, yelling at the top of his lungs. And all I see is a lunatic. And I told, I told David, I was like, hey, let's kind of stay on this side. <laughs> let's, you know, keep a wide berth. Because I see a crazy person. And I don't want to get mixed up in that. But thankfully, when we walk with Jesus... And we let Jesus inform and influence our journey and our walk. We don't always just see a crazy person, a naked person, a cranky person. We see past the dysfunction. And a lot of times what you see on the external is nothing but a consequence of trauma they've experienced. The dude that was broken on the road to Jericho was a result of somebody beating him up somebody stealing his clothes, and somebody leaving him half dead. I think the guy who was the father that pushed the, the bus driver, you know, that was the shuttle I was trying to catch, I think there's stuff that had happened to him that made him cranky, angry, and volatile. So do I see, and how I see, who I see is shaped on how I see from the inside. Do I only see the victim or do I have eyes of compassion? Because compassion looks past the dysfunction, past the ugly, past the repulsive, 
past the gross and says, wait a second, there's more to this person than just all the yuck that I'm seeing from the outside, compassion. And in this parable, Jesus says, the good Samaritan comes, he sees the victim and he has compassion. And the word compassion in the Greek is really funky. Like it's splegdazomai. And you're like, how do you say that? Exactly. Because it's just this whole combination of consonants with no vowels in it. Like C-H-G-N-Z, da-da-da-da-da. But what it really means is from the inside. It's like the deep recesses, your kidneys, your intestines from inside. Compassion. And that means to have feeling. To see and understand and look at something beyond the external. That's interesting. I was thinking about this on a couple of levels. One, for myself. You know, there are times, like in this service, just before, you know, um, we started doing transition into the community stuff, I hung out in the room back there. And I sat down, and I was like, you know, I don't feel comfortable sitting down in the front row because I'm supposed to, you know, like be worshiping, and now then people are going to think what's wrong with you and all that. But the reason I wouldn't is because I have some plantar fasciitis problems with my foot. And so it hurts to stand up for a long time. But if you don't know that, you might look at me and say, what's wrong with you? You should be da-da-da, right? Anybody? We have to think about this. And what we, what we don't often take into consideration is our own filter. And do we have compassion as our filter? Do we have feeling? Do I have to know everything about a person? Do you have to know that I have plantar fasciitis, that however you say it, I can't, I hate it. Do you have to know that to have compassion? Or can you have it just because that's what's in your soul? Or that's what you choose? And so with compassion, you're like, well, you know, I can have compassion, but what do I do with the crazy guy who's, you know, attacking the bus driver? Do I jump out there and like interject myself and get hit in the mix? Like, is that compassion? And I don't think we always have to do all of that, interject ourselves and all that. I think, but at the minimum, let's, let's let our, our motive and our heart be informed by compassion rather than criticism or judgment or condemning. And if, if that's how we see, then that's an internal issue in our own souls, in our own hearts. And when we walk with Jesus, Jesus' influence can change our internal perspective. And when you look at this word in the Greek, splegizomai, however you say it, it's interesting. It's used about 12 times. And almost exclusively, it's used by Jesus. He saw the crowd and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the widow of Nain. She had just lost her son, and he had compassion on a grieving woman. Jesus saw the lepers who came to him and said, if you're willing, make us whole, well, heal us. Now, you want to think about compassion, that's going to be super disgusting. They're visual mutants. 
noses eaten off, ears missing, stubs for fingers, they smell bad, disgusting. It says Jesus had compassion. And it's interesting to me that in the, in the epistles, like with Paul and with John, there's almost no mention of this word compassion. But with Jesus, it's everywhere. <laughs> and the more we walk with Jesus, the more the way he sees his mindset, his attitude, his heart, the more that influences and informs our point of view. And I would say this as we think about this, kind of coming to an end. Not only do I want us to have compassion for the people around us, but I would also ask you to have compassion for yourself. <laughs> so often, and I, I do it to myself, you know, Sarah, you are such an idiot. Why did you do that again? We have done, we've been down this road and you know how it ends. Why do you keep doing this? You are so stupid. Anybody berate yourself, put yourself down. You're unkind, you're critical, you're impatient with yourself. Come on, family. Let's let the compassion of Jesus influence, shape, mold our mental narratives. Because for us to have compassion externally, it's helpful to let Jesus have compassion internally with us. You know, Sarah, I don't see a failure. I don't see a mistake. I don't see all the, the stuff that you're seeing. I see you as you are, the true identity, your true design, Sarah. And I have compassion. I know you're trying. I know, you, you know, you make, okay, but we're walking together. And as I walk with you, I have compassion and gentleness and kindness towards you and patience with you, Sarah. And not only can that happen to you, but it can happen as well through you. So as a, at a minimum, as we do this journey with Jesus, as we do our summer vacations, as we're driving, and it's not just driving, it's the people that are in your neighborhood, it's the people in your condominium complex, the people at work, people at school, in some small groups, pickleball people. There's some pickleball people that I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Life's too short for that kind of thing. <laughs> and I don't like them. I'm, I could name you a couple of them right now. I'm like, oop, I'm out. But can I let Jesus shape my point of view? I don't have to be the end all be all. But at the minimum, can I pray, God, help me to have compassion. Help me to see the man and not just the mayhem. Help me to see the person and not just the dysfunction. Help me to recognize, Jesus, that you love. You love you have compassion, care, concern. And I have an internal wrestle with this. I struggle, not just with some of the pickleball people, but I think about it. I'm like, how do you have compassion for somebody like Charles Manson, who's a sociopath, right? I think he's dead. Is he dead? Yeah. And some of us are like, good, good riddance. We should have never had been paying for him and you know, all that, all that. I, I get it. It's not that I don't understand it. But is it possible for us to have compassion 
for sociopaths, for people who are completely deranged. I looked at Charles Manson, I looked at his background, and I came to understand, realize, his mom was a sex worker and he lived with her and grew up in that industry. Oh, well that's an illumination for me. <laughs> that's what I work in, night care, with Saving Moses, right? We help with his babies and toddlers who are in that environment day in and day out. Oh, okay. So I think that we can, if we ask God, help me to see through your lens, through your filter, not just the sharks, not just the crabs, and not just the Pollyanna, la, 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 it's not happening, but with compassion. Realize that compassion means with feeling. Calm meaning with pathos, feeling. And feeling can be not just tenderness and kindness. Feeling can also be anger. I think Jesus had passion with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. You watch him. He was angry with them. And I think some of that was even compassion. Like, come on, I'm trying to get you out of your deception, out of that religious crap and the dysfunction. It's ugly and it's, it's not helpful. It's abusive. Ugh. And I think his anger in some respects was in some ways somewhat of a compassionate because it had feeling to it. You realize that the opposite of compassion is apathy, indifference, pathos, meaning to feel, apathy, meaning not feel. And I think Jesus organized us internally. We're hardwired to feel. And so when we walk away and we're detached and, you know, like, oh, you know, ambivalent, apathetic, I think it runs against the design. God has designed us to have passion, to be compassionate, and to see with eyes, not only ourselves, God's eyes for the world around us, the people around us. So as we finish this message, I'd just like to ask you to take a, a couple things to consider. <laughs> Who are the people in your life, right? And how do you see them? You remember the Sesame Street song? Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood? Anybody remember that? You're like, no, it's past my time and era. It's fine. But who do you see? Who are the people? And how do you see them? Oh, that's that one. That guy. Oh, it's her again. Right? Who are the people you see? And how do you see them? And then number two. Let's allow Jesus' compassion to work in our own souls, compassion toward us, with us, as well as through us. So I'd like you, as we finish today, to just put your palms up, palms up to receive, to receive compassion, God's compassion for you. So, Father, I thank you that you're the father of love. You're the father of restoration, reconciliation. The father of ultimate passion. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would flood our souls with compassion in our own hearts towards us, but also through us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see people on our journey and not to see them based on their external, but help us to see through the lens of compassion.
I pray for each of us that you would help us in our first reaction to look to you and for you to put compassion in our hearts, our eyes, our point of view. I pray, Holy Spirit, that when we are angry and cranky with ourselves, that you would arrest and interrupt the self-narrative that's so negative and hard. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that we would experience your compassion toward us in our own souls, in our shortfalls, in our failures, in dumb decisions. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that we would sense your compassion and your help, your love, your reconciliation, restoration. I thank you for helping us with this, working in our hearts and giving us hope, life, and compassion in us as well as through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I want to minister a couple verses. Um, one of the things we like about Encounter is, we do here, is uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, is, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we read about those in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you're not familiar with them, you can kind of check that out. But I have a verse I want to minister to Bailey. Hello, Bailey. How are you today? Nice to see you. I was like, where are you? Um, the verse I have for you is Lamentations um, 3. Verses 21 through 23. And it says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, and his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And there's something about the faithfulness of God for you every morning. And just to reignite that, recalibrate that, into the consistent daily morning routine, the faithfulness of God. And sometimes you might struggle with, mm, doesn't seem like God's faithful. And in your better moments, you know, it, know, you know that God is faithful. But maybe it would be helpful to you to create an inventory, a faithfulness inventory. Put that up maybe in your bathroom mirror or on your phone, but an inventory that continually, I mean, you just keep adding to it, adding to it, the faithfulness of God, faithfulness of God, faithfulness of God. And you know, people, people kind of come and go and, and some of them have been disappointing and discouraging. And, and sometimes you kind of can ask the question, well, God, if you're faithful, how come they blah, 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 blah. But just encourage you, Bailey, just keep feeding on the faithfulness of God. And whatever the things that people do and don't do, disappointments, discouragements, they, they promise something and they didn't come through. It's okay because God is faithful and God is more faithful <laughs> than any fickle human. So feed on the faithfulness and, and some of the fickleness of humanity, let it go. Don't let the bitterness kind of settle in. Forgive, release, let go. And just to continue to feed on the faithfulness of God, his mercies, his grace endures forever. It's new every morning and God's faithfulness never changes better than the sunrise better than the sunset amen you can give me feedback on the end if you want that's cool if you don't that's okay too um and then I have a verse I'm sorry I should probably know your name which just you know goes to show flawed human failed human um but you have on a red shirt behind Brandon Brandon can you tap that dude yeah that guy sorry that I don't remember your name won't be the last time sorry it's just the way it goes 
But the verse I have for you is Ephesians 3, verse 12. Uh, actually, it starts off in verse 11. This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. And I just feel like Holy Spirit wants to encourage you to have more boldness and confident access with God. Sometimes you might feel like you're inadequate, you're not worthy, not deserving, and so you kind of come like maybe side, you know, like you're kind of one of those side, side hustles. But God's saying, you're my son, and come to me boldly with confident access. You belong. You are attached. Romans 8, 16, God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's son, God's daughter. Let that confidence, secure assurance and access to God be settled and bold in your heart. That you're like, I'm not a second hand string. I'm not JV. I'm not like the last, you know, 11th out of 12 players. I'm a, I'm a son. I belong. And I can come boldly to the throne. I can come boldly to my father who welcomes me with arms wide open to hug, embrace, accept, and celebrate. Come with confident and bold access because you belong. You're God's son. And anything that says less than that is a lie from the enemy. So turn off the lies and turn on the truth and let Holy Spirit continue to inform and encourage and give you confidence and boldness that you have access to the Father and he's well pleased with you. So come boldly with confident access that you belong and your family. God is your loving heavenly father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.